Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Focus, Focus, Strike, our podcast dedicated to nerd console generally and Legend of the Five Rings specifically. It's February the 11th. It's almost midnight Eastern time, just after. It'll be the 12th there, but here it is the 11th as we are in Calgary recording this today. First time in about a month. I'm here with Blake. Say hi, Blake. Hi, Blake. Uh, Mostly because everyone's been really sick. My girls have been a little under the weather. Nothing like coronavirus, but definitely... Kids hang out with other kids and before people are sick. I'm Murph. I'm your host. I reached on Facebook at Brian Murphy. You can reach for Focus Focus Strike. You can reach at Focus Focus Strike at gmail.com. Or, you know, uh, you can also reach out to our at FFS Podcast. We're here to talk about L5R and nerd culture in general. And I think the biggest one from this week, was, well, really the L5R world, there was two basic things. One, is that uh, there's been two major events since the last time we recorded. That would be the Grand Cote in Las Vegas, Woo. to which I wanted to give uh, congratulations to Handsome Dan, who won the main event. Good for him. And also to the Vancouver crew, who did really well in the team event, and had a couple people in the top eight, uh, did really nice. well. That part is very strong. Uh, basically, that was the Lion Tower deck. Uh, then the Cote, which was the same weekend as Worlds, Game of Thrones, uh, the send-off. Mm. AKA, they're taking the black, they're jumping the wall. Jokaris! It's all going up in flames. Uh, but a <laughs> uh, Canadian one, which is the surest side that he's got the pot, like the people north of the wall just say, nope, we're the kings. We rule all of this. <laughs> I believe it was Baratheon. Uh, same day as that was the Cote, Grand, or was it, I'm not sure if it was a Grand Cote or just a Cote. It was in Austin, Fort I was in Dallas, Fort Worth. Looks like that event. Mm. The best thing you can say about a meta is that if you think the meta is solved, you're not thinking hard enough. Yeah. That basically the the decks that did the best were all decked to the nines to kill tower decks. Yeah, uh, and that in and of itself is is not very convenient. Uh, so you need different stuff. If you had a tower deck there, you were running into both the field of Fro from the Jade Throne one, Anil from the Jade Throne was second. John D. Bats I assume was there too because he's selling a Phoenix marker. Like I said, there was a lot of a lot of big stuff there, but that was the big one. Is that basically, if you're just gonna play with the regular meta that people say these are the best decks, and you're not gonna bother to look for like, outside of that norm, you're gonna run into people who are basically saying, okay, if this is the best, 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 best deck, what's the best deck I can build that beats all those decks? Mm. I've always been something of a deck builder, and the idea of just stopping and taking whatever the internet tells me is best. Uh, like maybe starting there, maybe. Or taking some ideas out of something like that. But just stopping? No. Well, you should never do that. I mean, you should always be testing new stuff and looking. Mm-hmm. In general, uh, once again, it's the testing triumvirate. It's the three things you're always testing for. And one of them is consistency. How often do I produce the same results, even with different cards? Yep. So how do I do what I do? as many times as I can possibly do. So I basically am eliminating variants. Yeah. Uh, because if I have enough ways to do it, it will just happen every time. Like, there'll be the odd game where it does it, but when it doesn't, it's really odd. Yeah. Uh, second and you part can is, compensate for that. Yeah. The second part is just practice so that you know what cards are in your deck. So basically, based on the nine cards I've already drawn, in my soul, I know what the next five cards are going to be. <laughs> Pretty well. Like, I might yeah. be wrong. But basically, it's like I have not seen one of these. I have not seen one of these. And because I know the, the balance of each one of those cards in my deck, it's not that I know the odds of seeing them. It's more like, no, it's about time for me to see a force pump. 
So what I've yeah. been in is like, how badly do I need three force pumps? Because they're all going to come now. Uh, so I can adjust my bids. I mean, there's the some people, one, some people who, who count cards essentially and know exactly number by number which oh, cards yeah. are likely to show up. But most yeah. of us don't go that far in and we just have a sense of what should show up. Yeah, that's, I'm thinking it's, you have to get to the sense point because there's enough things on your mind that you don't mm-hmm. want to think, okay, if I draw another card, what are the odds that? Like, there's a lot of Scorpion cards, especially the new pack from Clan Wars, uh, yep. which is the, the big box, that basically focus on if I know what my cards I have in my hand and I know what cards are left in my deck and I know what my opponent is playing, what are the odds that the three cards I'm about to draw are better than the three cards I'm going to throw away? Because I have to throw the cards away yeah, first. Exactly. If that's the case, you know, you can, you, the better you are at knowing what your next three cards are going to be, the better off you are going forward. Right? You can say, you know what? Those three cards are better than oh, these hands three down. cards. That's always good stuff. Meanwhile, with everything that happened there, it's basically showing that the meta is going to be a lot less defined going forward. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Like, there's a place for meta in any environment but if if you're stuck on like one maybe two decks that are worth playing i feel like in a game that's based on factions like l5r or game of thrones the design team has failed in some way or perhaps the players have well i I think it's just the card base is so limited in terms of how many cards are available that's true it's true right like right now we're just crossing over now into a part of the game where there's more cards than a base set in the old CCG. Right. <laughs> it's a point. We're talking 360 cards plus the base set. So we're at around 600 cards, which is basically uh, a base set and three expansions and yeah. nine expansions made an arc. Exactly. Plus the so we're roughly, you know, half. So that's when you start to see the real variance of the cards. I mean, I definitely think this game, Unlike with the old with the old L5R in terms of how it was designed, uh, there's a lot more of a mechanical approach to taking apart the cards, which mm-hmm. I appreciate because that's how we always did. Uh, was uh, just stuff should make sense based on looking at other stuff. Yes. I mean, that's always the big one. It's like the keyword, like in the new one, the keyword I'm happiest to see make more of a comeback is limited. Mm. Uh, had they used limited less sparingly from the beginning of the game, there would have been a lot of problems that never would have became problems because like you could take a lot of the most powerful cards and say limited. So if you draw five of them, great. You could play one of them. That's it. They're <laughs> limited. You get one of those cards by each player per round, period. End of discussion. So it really does, you know, it, it, it's its own internal balancing back. But yep. we, we don't go back and cry over spilt milk. But anyways, yes, keep testing, keep learning new stuff. And then reliability, which is basically how does my deck interact with your deck? How do I break your deck? How does right. your deck break my deck? So what cards do I not play because I don't want to open up? You know, I don't want to spin my wheel really fast and hand you a stick to put in the spokes. Yep. Uh, so you have to understand which cards in your deck don't help you in a particular matchup, but which ones actually hurt you. So you will just never buy those cards. Uh, the yeah. classic example in the CCG was anti-dueling Shoto against dueling decks, which was basically you flip over your characters at the beginning of the turn and it's like, is your name Shoto? Nope. Straight to the bid. If I don't buy you, go to the bid. 
but it's really good character. Go to the bid. If you're on Shoto, I don't care. I'm looking for one character, and once I get that one character, I'm going to tower the bejesus of, and then he's going to win me the game <laughs> by himself. That's what's going to happen. That's my only path to victory, so I like it. It's a good one. Uh, talk about decks. new cards, because we don't want to reminisce. Like, we don't want to talk about a time before the internet. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about, like, there were a few things here I thought were really interesting in terms of design space. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, in the new set, uh, there's a lot of one one for ones, which is really good. Sure. Uh, good. It looks like every clan basically got a one cost, two two costs, and different stats, cool. different abilities. But basically, that's like the cost curve. And one cost, of course, are, are always useful. Uh, yeah, because you know they they just spit out a deck. They make it work properly. For those who serve the rich frog, they become very important. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to really talk, like I said, about most of the characters. Like there were a couple I saw that really like made me think, "Hey, I like that." Uh, like I like Chancellor's Aid. Uh, that's the one 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 one, or uh, I think they called it a zero, the barcode uh, one one <laughs> one one. Uh, Chancellor's Aid. It's a courtier imperial. Uh, interrupt when this character leaves play choose a player each player may give you each opponent may give you one honor and choose a player each chosen player discards one card from their hand ah right so it's just like a little jazz the next one gotcha nobody <laughs> wants that. uh you know the crab holding is nice because it keeps characters around which is oh mm. um, i really like the lion suite of characters in general yeah uh uh, some of their stuff is just really good. Like, I like the Bushido Adherent because they have a lot of characters with glory, so making them bigger is always good. Makes Considering sense. a conflict in which this character is participating, and by the way, the Bushido Adherent is three cost, four military, two political, two glory Bushi. Uh, during the conflict in which they're participating, choose a participating character, honor that character. Your opponent draws one card. Uh, aside from the natural thing of, hey, I get a plus two, plus two for nothing, except giving you a card, that's pretty mm -hmm. useful. They have a whole bunch of cards that trigger off of if your opponent has more cards than you. Oh, also true. Kind of useful. Uh, so that one's good. Uh, if you know if you've got lo been loaded up on counters and other stuff, it's like well, you know, sometimes you. Can... I thought that one was nice. Uh, mm. I also like the three cost from Scorpion, the Master Whisperer. Uh, so three cost, two military, three political courtier with one glory. Uh, it's got cool. support, so technically you can help buy it for your opponent. Uh, the key is with a lot of these cards, they're designed for multiplayer. So that's where the support mechanic comes in. I'm not going to really uh, talk about it. it. There's a lot of cards that say swap with an opponent, do this. It's like, yeah, that's all part of bartering, right? So you can be heals. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all good stuff. But this one's action is action. Choose a player. That player discards three cards from hand and draws three cards. Okay. Very useful. Well, basically, you can use it on yourself. If you think, oh, I got better cards in my deck, remember that whole knowing what your deck is going to give you. Yeah, uh, it's like I have better cards. I'm just gonna go get them. That's useful. Or the alternative, which is mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just gonna bill you because I want to see what kind of deck you have. I want to see what your splash is. I want to just start grinding cards into your discard. You're looking awfully smug right now, and you've only got three cards. Let's just yeah, so, get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's smug this more scorpion, scorpion, which also, by the uh, way, was the winner event. Mm. But. Uh, basically, I want to talk about the unicorn cards because I usually play with them, so these are the important ones uh, to me. Uh, first, we have Alted Saradai's Vanguard. This is important because okay. there's a new Alted Saradai coming in the next set or so has been rumored, uh, which is important because this is the Alted Saradai's coming because telling us the new one is like there's like the princess that was promised. Right. Uh, 
She's going to be good. Anyways, it's a one cost, two military, zero political, one glory, Bushi cavalry. One cost cavalry, okay. always useful. Uh, during each conflict against a province with one or more claim rigs, this character cannot be bound by by card or rig effect. Basically put, well, convenient. It's really for multiplayer. But it's a 2-0 for one, so it's actually got use. It's like a less yeah. useful moto use. But it's also <laughs> Bushido, so cavalry. So it spreads out those gaps. So if you're going to play things like cav reserves, you've got an extra one drop. That kind of I like the flavor text. When war calls, she stands ready. Operators are standing by. Altid Serenai. World of Warfare. It's always fun. Uh, second one, yeah, it's the Merchant of Curiosity. It's a courtier merchant. It's the barcode. So it's one, 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 one. One cost, one military, one political, one glory. Action. Discard a card from your hand. Each opponent may give you one honor and discard a card from their hand. Each player who discarded a card this way draws one card. Ah. So you get an automatic card filter because you bought the character. Every other player can give you, which in single player, can give you an honor to do the same thing. Yep. It's a really useful thing. It's really good. Yeah. Personally, I like this card because I like the fork. It's got a fork right. in the back. Of it. The flavor tech is, how fascinating. You say it's used for eating. Anytime <laughs> they make jokes about using a fork to eat, I'm yeah. all over them. That is always fun. It's always fun. It's an L5R tradition. It definitely does the trick. The next one there, we get to the Unicorn 2 drops. Uh, one of the reasons the Unicorn and the Lion have an extra one drop character, one cost, is because they didn't get a holding uh. in this set. So my guess is everyone started with a holding and two of them were either too strong or too weak. It got replaced by characters who are generically, yeah. Maybe they made but, more sense as 1-1 one, one characters. Uh, it could be. But some mm. of the some of the mechanics on some of the holdings are real. Uh, mm. But the next one is the Endless Blade Skirmisher. Two cost, three military, zero political. Always good to have that. During a conflict, choose a player, move this character to the conflict on that player's side. You still control the character, but its skill contributes towards that player's side in the conflict. So there's a few things about this one that I find is really interesting. Huh. One, if I put him on your side, but he was already bowed. Yeah. He doesn't contribute. He just shows up. So he takes useful. away the ability to be present. That's one. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's always useful. I mean, Unfortunately, he is still a character I control, so I can't necessarily you know, do crazy things with like palsy debate or other miscellaneous things. But okay. because I control him, I can also use him for a blade of armor for my other characters. So that if somebody says, okay, I court games you, okay, I choose the guy on your side. He can dishonor. There, cool. there are definite uses for having him around, especially if he's already attacked. That is like he's the perfect, he's the perfect salve for all your other issues. Uh, the next one is Sounds part it. of the U the Unicorn, Courtier, Gaijin, Merchant pool for multiplayer. Mm. They want the E-Day to stand out, but it's not ah. an E-Day. It's a two-cost, one military, two political, zero glory, which is really mm -hmm. way station trader. Limited. Hey. Reaction. After a player province is revealed during a conflict in which this character is participating, choose an opponent, take one fate from that opponent. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, it's like a goblin sneak, only sneakier. So <laughs> you get to see it coming. It's like, yes, you get sneaked. Uh, I can understand why this is limited, because you don't want somebody that's like, oh, okay, I just steal all your fate. <laughs> also not, you know, it's not really, uh, it's not having anything that deals with cavalry, so it's not going to be recursion a lot. And it is really goes well with the theme, of, like the untamed steps 
uh, the border chief for flipping provinces up and down so you think weird things happen. Right. Uh, she's pretty good for that. So that one, useful. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about the forthright edict because I think that's garbage. But it is cavalry. It is courtier. It's a merchant. It's a 1-3. And it gives you the ability to straighten a character. Discard a card if it's yours. And it only does characters with a printed cost of three or less. Okay. I don't know why you would straighten a character that isn't yours. But Again, that's for, for the multiplayer. Yeah. So it has a use slide. Otherwise, you don't want to. Now, those characters in and of themselves, pretty good. Really good stuff. I think the really, really cool stuff for Unicorn, though, was the conflict cards. Yeah. So they're starting with uh, a technique, which is an attachment for one, one military, one political boat, called hmm. Expert Bartering, not unique. You may spend one fate. Okay, so far so good. It's a may spend. Choose another attachment. You may only choose one an opponent controls if you spend one fate. Check. Switch this attachment okay. with the chosen attachment. If you do not control the chosen attachment, exchange control of them as well. So, its primary okay. use is to move your own stuff around. Because I can take my really good sword and move it over to somebody else. Bounce yeah. things that way. But, it also has the capacity, if my opponent ever runs out of fate, see the last one. Or even if they're just like, low. Oh, uh, well, I just basically want them to spend the fate, right? So it's like exactly. I send over the expert bartering, and I steal your reprieve. <laughs> Good luck with that. Do you want to spend the fate or lose your guy? Uh, I'm willing to bet you're going to steal back the reprieve. I'm going to keep that for another turn. Yeah. Uh, so that one's always. Um, I like that one because I like one 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 attachments. I think that's a good baseline for all yeah. attachments, and it's got an action that basically allows me to do things internally. Really good. It also works really well in any of the Shishi Shahai decks. Oh. Because Shahai can attach all the Gaijin stuff for free. Right. But then it's all on her, where you may not want it. Well, this allows you to move it for basically no fate, because you're going to take the attachment you put on Shahai for free, and after she made use of it, you're going to transfer it over to somebody else. Very useful. Nice. Um, then you've got Way of the Open Hand, which is the Unicorn Philosophy. Uh, mm. By the way, that last card had two influence. This card has four influence. It's a philosophy. Whoa. Yep, yeah. it's the way of the open hand. Or, if you're looking at the picture, it's an open hand like an E-Day, except somebody's oh, okay. played every single one of them. Where's that charms company called? Pandora. All your Pandora's charms are arranged around the hand in the circle. Uh, so there's like a horse <laughs> and like a like a, somebody who's done like cooking and money. And it's basically all about all the things I did with my summer vacation. Uh, way of the open hand, philosophy, cost zero, it's an event. Action. During a conflict against a non-stronghold province, choose a participating conflict character you do not control. Move that character home, put one fate on it. So I give you a fate, get out of my way. Yeah. Because it's basically unconditional send-home. It's like, I don't care if you're bigger, stronger, smaller, healthier, whatever. You're not going anywhere. Also, really, really handy if you ever happen to accidentally hit someone's Feast or Famine and they have a character with their own fate defending because you can put one on them so he can't. Kind of a useless uh, side point. thing that's a catch case. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm just saying this card, really strong by itself because it's, it's zero cost um, and it sends people home. If right? it's, it's like, uh, hey, I'm Coco. Yeah, you're gone. Bye -bye. If it's one of the characters that hurts your opponent, then they're around for another turn. Yes, that part is true. But usually, I always assume that they're going to get some use out of using him again. But that's okay, because I'll already have broken the province first. True. 
Right. And if you if you are playing with characters like Alted Serenai, getting that easy break, really useful for killing off other characters. True. Just saying. There, there's, that's a card that I think is like the star. It's the one that stands out the most. And that's funny because the next two cards that are going to jump out are really good. Um, this is an interesting one. The next one, it's a two-cost event. It's got two, two influence. Diversionary Maneuver. Now, when I talked about this with the guys from Belgium, uh, we basically all agreed this card was ass. Then I reread it, huh. and I went, okay, this card is no longer ass, but it's still way too conditional for me to ever think this is going to do a lot of stuff. But mm. I could definitely think of ways I could actually use it just to make other people hurt. Ooh, so here's the action. Okay. It's a tactic. So if you ever have anything triggers off tactics, <laughs> action, during a military conflict in which you are the attacking player, Choose an eligible province not currently being attacked. Bow and move home okay. each participating character. So everybody moves home. Move the conflict to the chosen province and reveal it if able. Move any number of ready characters you control to the conflict. Then your opponent does so as well. Now, originally I thought, yeah, well, it's kind of good because it does have the fate thing. But it still asks. For two, I can think of way better cards, like Warriors on the Wind, for example, that allows me to move all my guys and not bow everyone. Mm -hmm. But then I realized there was two very important things. First one is it doesn't end the conflict. That's vital. So if you already played Bonsai and made your guy super winning, yeah, we could all go home bound. He still keeps his bonus because the conflict's still going on. True. But they're gone, which is really useful. Um, so that that's like the one part that I like. Secondly, it's a move to the conflict, not a side, which I thought it was originally when I first read this. Somehow my brain thought, oh, we, oh. Just, yeah, we just start the conflict. So any movement-based abilities can be triggered off of this. So all those people moving are going to be moving in one or two directions. So if you have a character that says when this character moves straight him, he will straighten when he gets home. If you have a character that says the other one, like draw a card when you move in, like with a spyglass, he's going to draw you a card. It's all movement <laughs> stuff. That stuff, useful. I'm just saying this card has moved up from totally unplayable to may have catch cases where it really works. Like, if, if, if you're building a deck specifically to make use of your movement abilities and only that, maybe. I think it's going to work really well in a deck I haven't, I've got conceptually, but I don't have cards for. And oh. that's the battle game. Because they have a lot of things that trigger off of honor another battle mate, do this, do that, but they work together in concert. Right. So this one says I can assign the ones that I don't really need. See what you do. If you can't stop me, I'm just going to run you over. But if you can stop me, then I'll pull the switcheroo and trigger a whole whack of abilities on you. Also, uh. you can use it on in conjunction with other stuff. So, for example, oh. like the, the the catch case of like why two bad cards occasionally make you laugh, uh, diversity maneuvers in chasing the sun. So I want to break this province. Let's say it's your stronghold. But because of all the various things you've done, uh, I can't do anything about your stronghold. Right? Your characters right. are too big. I can't fix that. You dishonored all my guys, whatever. So I move everybody home, and I start it again in a different province. Then I put chasing the sun to move back to your stronghold. Like a <laughs> there, these, there are definite ways, but I'm thinking now. I'm thinking too hard. It's working too hard to play a card that's not that good. But you know, it's the kind of card that you can play if you have the right stuff that can really make things work. That being said, 
Uh, the next card, uh, two cost event with wood support. So you could always try to ask your opponent to help you pay for it. Of course. Uh, during a military conflict, this card is called Join the Fray. No, not, not the Fray from Game <laughs> uh, This is during a military conflict. Choose a cavalry character in your provinces and a player. Put that character into play in the conflict on that player's side. You still control the character, but its skill contributes towards that player's side of the conflict. So I can pick me. I'm a player. <laughs> so it's charge. Except now it costs two and requires you to be cavalry. Yeah. Those are, are sufficient limitations on charge. I don't mind it because charge is kind of... Yeah. But there's char- lots of stuff. Charge has been a bit much for a long time. Yes. So those ones there. Um, also, the last three cards, they have a couple like weird ones that I really liked. Uh, I liked Hige Sermon, which was spoiled in one of their articles previously. But it's a limited card. During the draw phase, each player in turn order chooses a different character they do not control. Bow each of those characters. Unicorn has a lot of ways to straighten, so therefore that makes it more you know, useful. You, you can work around it uh, very easily. Also, the swarm. I see Hikei's servant also working really well in Faithless. Day. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Right, because I don't have any characters out right now. I'm just going to make you bow someone. It's basically a pre-targeted Miramonos Fury, which has been on the restricted list since the beginning of the game. Right. One nice. I really like is Seize the Day. This is the other neutral card. There's three in total. The other one I'm not going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Seize the Day. One cost. Event. Reduce the cost to play this card by one if you have two or more opponents. Right. After the conflict phase begins, you become the first player. Ah. This card has a lot of uses for Unicorn. Because they have a lot of things that triggered off of, like, with Way of the Unicorn, becoming the first player, staying the first player... Uh, Ring of Binding, you don't lose fate if you're the first player. Right. So if you play with Ring of <clears> Binding, <throat> you can save your character for an extra turn just by dropping this. This is like a good omen that combos with that. Uh, but it makes you the first player, so you get the first choice of the rings. You get all that other fun stuff. Yep. Useful. I mean, I guess also you I would stay recommend... first player through to the end of the round, right? Yes, because first player token only changes in the draw phase. Well, not yeah. the draw phase, the fate phase. Because now they combine them. And it's like step right. four, seven, where it changes. Uh, once it changes, it stays that way. So the other guy is the first player through the dynasty phase. But you get to start with it in the fate, in the conflict phase. Nice. This is right after the conflict phase begins. So before you can declare an attack, bamo, I'm the first player. Very, also very useful if you're playing in cards in Gith. Uh, you have Sand Road. Right. Because being the first player with Sand Road is very important. <laughs> It's a reaction, so it's not an action. So I could really mess you up. Mm-hmm. Just saying, there's some there's some useful stuff there. I also recommend that everybody look at the crane duel because uh, it's good. The lion pack in general, really strong. Call to war, take up command, all on assault, privileged position are all amazing. <laughs> uh, they're all great cards. I thought unicorn did pretty well, but we didn't do as well as that sweet. And to admit, I also really like the Phoenix cards because they got some really good anti-gas. Uh, the Peacemaker's Blade is really strong. Cool. So Always nice. Always nice to see. There'll be some good stuff there. But anyways, that's like the cards I see that are of great use. I'll talk about some more later on. Right now, uh, I think the I listened to the first half of the Jade Throw podcast that talked about the Dynasty side with uh, Shay and uh, John DiBattista or DBATS, mm-hmm. who I haven't seen since... Uh, like the early days of U5R, 
Uh, <laughs> but I, mean, I remember meeting him at Leanne's house in the days of all L5R and the CCG. Uh, there was a lot of good times that that guy's one of the uh, best Street Fighter players I've ever seen. He is amazing. He's also really Fair good enough. on the podcast. So if you want to hear somebody who's got a really good voice and is fun to listen to, he is fun to listen. He'll also break down how he looks at one 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 cards and what he looks for. And that's mm. why I'm not going to go over it again because he's right. Fair. Uh, when you're looking at one cost characters, you're looking not really at the ability. You're looking at what is the stat line and what are the keywords? Because for cheap characters, that's all I want to do is make sure I get them. Uh, we finally read our cra- our uh, our crane clan kit because it finally arrived. Yay! As would he Canada. However, in Alberta, <laughs> nobody has a store kit. Yeah, this, super weird. This is really troubling because I talked to the people at Edmonton. They don't have one. I uh, talked to the guy who ran the Elemental Challenge. He doesn't have one. I know that at the Sentry Box, they stopped ordering them. They told me they were going to. There's just not enough turnout. They have to be consistently averaging over eight players to order more kits. Right. I can understand. I've yeah. offered to pay for it. They've said, no, it's because they also have, I can understand that because they have a lot of Star Wars events that they run. Yeah. And because of that, they don't want to risk anything that interferes with their Star Wars event because that's a big moneymaker. Uh, Fair enough. If L5R compared to Star Wars, you know, like Death Star compared to Ewoks. I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars. It, it wins at things that are Star Wars related. Yes. The only one who's ever been able to stand up is Star Trek. Yeah, that's true. And even then, I think Star Wars has got a bit of an edge. Which oh, I hate to say, because I, I prefer Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I can understand those ones. I mean, it's everything's going to be up to itself, so I'm pretty flexible. Yeah. Fair. Uh, I'm just saying, though, I had a lot of fun playing L5R. Uh, I've also tried to volunteer to get a couple extra things to do that are, are fun with the L5R uh, community in general. Well, oh, we'll see how those. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because some people are looking for some different stuff, so it's like, oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, cool. That's important. Let, let uh, us more know more about it later. Yeah, well, as, as things turn out, I mean, they might just say no. Cool, I'll go about my very ways to do. I'm also uh, trying to find out if anybody has a store and they haven't picked up a store kit because they don't want one, and is anywhere near Alberta. Let me know. And we'll talk. And we'll figure out a way to host store championships at your store because I know that at least eight people will. So that's enough to cover the cost of it. So, Fair. Yeah. I mean, I always want these things to happen. Unfortunately, with FFG, uh, because they are a very large company and Asmodee has distribution, that's an even larger company. And we're talking about multiple tournament streams organized at the same time. Like, I heard a rumor today that the Canadian Grand Coach Grand Championship is going to be in Montreal this year, okay. which is nice. I love Montreal. But it's a rumor. It's in September. It is now February. Yeah. So that's we're six at months. the point now we're so now it's under six months, which means if you had to book your vacation at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. you gotta like jump through some serious mental hoops to go. Well, Normally and for big For those people who don't know, Montreal is a very big event city, one of the biggest event cities in Canada. And if something else lines up on a weekend, suddenly there's no space anywhere. Yes, very true. And I mean, let's face it, I, that was where, if you go back in time, where they picked up the mantle from the Iron Samurai to do Samurai of Steel. Mm-hmm. And if you've not been up drinking till four o'clock in the morning at the Shea Prairie, some of your L5R friends, <laughs> you've never really been to Montreal. That's all I'm going to say about Fair enough. Uh, just going to say, that's usually how many times it's like, oh, man, it's Murph. That's a bad omen. When they know you by name, don't go. 
Just just trust <laughs> me on this. It's about to take a turn that you were not expecting. I'm trying to think, what have I watched recently? I've been watching The Outsider. It's really good. Yeah, I was a little right. iffy on it, just from the description. It's actually because but, they... But it, they, it works? Oh, yeah, it works. They're working past okay. a lot of the Stephen King nonsense, hooey-wooey. Sure. Uh, because Stephen King is Stephen King. I mean, that's why yeah. he's Stephen King. It's, he writes a certain style. He has a certain type of narrative. I, it's like I mean, I liked Kingdom Hospital. That was a good I, show. Yeah, I think Stephen so. King would... Like, for example, the best Stephen King book adapted into a movie, Shining. Why? No Stephen King. Stephen <laughs> King is great at concepts. He's great at developing characters and organizing them in such a way. But he's like Tolkien. He has no no vision for what it's going to look like on screen. Because he's not a screen guy. He's a writer. Right? Yeah. And, he, and, he's, word, and he's a he's a writer who works with the uh, the actual written word specifically. Like he doesn't have a picture of it in his head. Or at least it doesn't seem like that most of the time. Yes, very much so. I mean, that's why when you see the stuff that he's worked on, when it gets converted to film, it kind of goes all wonky. Then all of a sudden the ending pops up from nowhere. And you're like, what the hell? I feel like I've missed things. Yeah. Meanwhile, in this, it looks like they've basically taken the story and they've changed a few fundamental parts of some of the characters, like in terms of their backstory. Oh, okay. I mean, not surprising. Yeah, but the people doing the visual, like the show narrative, have changed it to tell a better story. Visual. What's wrong with that? Exactly, and that's why I think it's really good because it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of the classic hokey suspense because you know who the protagonists are when the antagonists are doing things to stop them, and you see it, you're like, well, that was to be expected, <laughs> but you're like. But at the same time, it sucks you in enough to you're like, oh, man, don't let anything bad happen to the characters I like. Yeah. And then when something bad is about to happen to them, all you hear is that voice in the back of your head that goes, you know nothing, John Stone. And I'm like, oh, no, they're going to mess this up, too. But so far, they haven't done it up six episodes in. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Do you uh, watch anything lately? Well, Drew and I finally watched the end of The Good Place. And uh, we shouldn't really talk about that one too loud because I know that in certain parts of the I, world, yeah, they're like a season behind. Like they I don't see. have anything past season three. Um, I I can say this much: this is generic. Um, it ends, and it ends, at least for play. me, amazingly satisfying. Oh, well, that's I, good. I, I can think of maybe two other shows I've been this happy about the ending. See, so that's the that's what you want when you're having like after a good yeah. quality one weekend stand where someone's I like the way this is ended, this is left me. Yeah. Now you hear that, you're like, I win. <laughs> I did my I job correct. I did it. I, I don't yeah. know how, but I did it. Now I'll take it. I, I take victories where I can find There's a very overall. sweet little thing uh, that they yeah. have with Seth Meyers uh after where they're talking to the cast and whatnot, as as they often do with bigger shows like when they oh, end okay. and it's very sweet. Well, that's good. Yeah. If you've got any thinking, investment in the show, I say check that out, too. Yeah. Well, for people who don't after, know. Cause, after. After. <laughs> ah, to be clear. Yes, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to on Apple TV Plus, Mythic Quest. So there's a new show. It's like a whole bunch of people are basically working on massive online game. Right. And they're talking about video games. It's like, this game could be my legacy. You mean our legacy. This game could be our legacy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So they have a whole bunch of stuff there. So Small it's like, non sequitur. There's a great yeah. bit um, in the newest season of She-Ra. Yes, oh, okay. I watched She-Ra. It's really good. Oh, I can believe uh, it. I mean, I know you knew, but I, I'm telling this to the people out in there. Um, okay, that makes sense. Regardless, uh, there's this great bit where Hordak, the like big bad guy, is standing there, and uh, Cheetah is like right behind him, and she's been like his number two, and essentially running everything the entire time. And he's like, "Yes, when my brother comes, I will be able to show him this great victory for that I have wrought." And then he stops, and he turns, and he looks at her, and he's and he's like. That we have wrought. And I'm like, oh man, that's that's a good moment for that character, because she doesn't she I mean she's brought all of the bad stuff on herself, more or less, but uh yeah, yeah, she doesn't get a lot of happy moments, and that was a good one. Yeah, I can understand that. That's a yeah. good one. It's like the more I, I look at these ones here, the more I think to myself, you know, they don't write villains anymore with that like it depends where you I would, go. I would love to be the guy who actually was Starscream because if every time <laughs> I did something wrong, my boss said you have failed me for the last time, but yet I keep getting brought in and getting assigned to do projects. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I have to just assume that you know that's employment uh, like certitude. There, you're not going yeah. nowhere. Mythic quest. Mythic quest. Yes. Well, first huh. of all, it's got all the keywords you need for a video mythic and quest. <laughs> Your game will never stand out, but it will be found by accident by millions of gamers. I, I mean, just by having the word myth in it, it's now getting searched by everyone who searched for what's the best video game ever, maybe. <laughs> There's a lot of people that consider myth still the best. Myth was one of the better games because it was a sandbox game. We're really sandbox. So you could just wander around, do whatever you want. Oh, and you could also solve the game. Yeah. Although yeah. it was really hard for people who were, I guess at the time, young kids playing Myth when I first saw it. Yeah. Because they had no idea that Magic Light a Pilotite. <laughs> and that stopped so many people for so long. I come walking in, it's like, why don't you just light the pilot light? It's like, what? Do you get the matches over there? Yeah, but just light the pilot. Oh, what's the pilot? <sighs> yeah. This is why this is why they're talking about myths. Myths are things like physics. Um, and we moved on to different stuff from there. So, I mean, I like them uh, in terms of that. I watched the Oscars. Yeah. Kind of oh, how were they? So now I have, they, were, they were fun. I mean, luckily working for a Good. movie theater community, we have a, a big uh, staff dinner thing. That I the ah, nice. I, that's I that's a good idea on their part. Yeah, I think so. It keeps everybody's spirit. I, I mean, I won one of the trivia. Well, that's always fun. Budgets, so I got like $25 Starbucks card. And it totally coincided with not my love of trivia and ability to know the unknown. Uh, but I always bug people around the office because they're like, have you seen this movie? And it's this movie big with the five-year-old girl. Crap. And she's, they're like, no, it's a horror. That I yeah. I, I wish I could like, say yes. I can't. I, I, but, I need no, 10 more if, years if, for that. Five-year-old girls. I'm all over that. We'll be there. It will. Mm -hmm. The question I answered right was, which two Disney movies have been reshot this year as live action? <laughs> Before they can even say, who knows? It's like, Aladdin Lion King. What? They're big uh, with a five-year-old girl crowd. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Fair. Well, that, that was it. That's all I got. Uh, Kathy also had one with um, the, knowing that it was the science association. Uh, like I don't sure. remember those kind of actors. They're just the guys who like things. Ah. Uh. 
But uh, you know what? A lot of people will go see movies because some of the ones this year, I will say, from talking to a couple of our people who have screening, yeah, they basically said because they watch hundreds of movies there, uh, and they basically said uh, this has been one of the better years for movies. Oh, like, as much as the only ones that made money were the Avengers, kind of stuff, but the other stuff that came out, was I mean, generally really good quality. Yeah, I've I've heard something along that lines too. I because I'm somewhat stuck at home, I I don't see things all the time at the theater like I used to, and I I have regretted it more this year than I did last year. I know that much. Um, there's a bunch of stuff I wanted to see. Drew's seen a lot of it, thank goodness. So I can get like, is it worth watching? You you, you got to adjust for Drew's like sense of scale. So if he says something's not bad, then you'll probably enjoy it. Yeah. And if he says that it's pretty good, then it's probably great. So, you know, once you well, once you scale, <laughs> no, that makes sense. I just have he's very useful as a source. Me is like, is this movie in my wheelhouse? Yes, no. If it's meant for me, I can watch a really bad movie. And say, yeah, the movie's horrible, but I loved it. Yeah. Because I was the target market. Like literally, they drove up to my house and said, "How can we make this movie more enjoyable for you?" And I said, <laughs> M&M's. Movie needs more M&M's. We will put M&M's in the I, uh Speaking of, of, of movies from this year, um, or last year, uh, uh, two, three weeks ago, uh, our friend Lisa came by my place right after she'd been to the screening of the new Kevin Smith movie uh, at uh, the Globe Theater in Calgary. And Kevin was there for the screening. And she got to talk to him and he was affable and all sorts of great stuff. She got a few pictures. She was, she was geeking out hard when she got here. It was very, very fun uh, to watch and to like, you know, get, get the energy off. And it, there were a couple of movies, like I was a big Kevin Smith fan for a while. And then a couple of movies came out. Tusk being one of them. I body horror is not my, not my happy place. So uh, and I kind of stopped watching his stuff for a while there. And having heard about this new Jane Silent Bob movie and also some of the other stuff he's done recently, I am engaged again. So hoping for oh, that. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I met him at an airport once. Yeah. I think that I... came up recently in my Facebook memories of like, I think I captured it with why you should always say hello to strangers at airports. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he signed my CBC um, hat. I was flying back from nice uh, PEI. Uh, oh wow! He was on his way there. He was actually on his way to Halifax. He was like uh, one of his post- yeah, yeah, one of his talks. So we actually crossed because when I was getting off the plane, he, he and his crew were moving towards where the nice. So, yeah, we were basically like swapping flights. <laughs> I, I told them don't sit in my seat. They Fair enough. Overall, though, I think it's about time we we let people. Oh, sorry, okay. real quick. Oh. I had a thing I wanted to mention. Over the last month or so, I've started listening to a new band. Not a normal thing for us to talk about here. On the upside, it's a very, very nerdy band. Uh, The name of it is Steam Powered Giraffe. That is correct. Steam Powered Giraffe. Their website is steampoweredgiraffe.com. It is a... um, How to explain this succinctly. Is... uh, three people plus some additional crew who uh, play the parts of robots. Uh, They are the original singing automatons. And the conceit is that they've been out there touring 
basically since nine or sorry, 1897 or so. And they're just still around and several cases not doing so great as far as whether they uh, actually do their job correctly or not. But a bunch of great songs, Uh, new album. They're just like dropping the first couple of uh, songs on their YouTube. Their albums are pretty straightforward as far as their numbering goes. Each of them has the number of the album in the name somewhere. It's kind of silly, but fun. They're are two founding members the bennett's um, they have a podcast on their website uh, and it's called the bennettarium and um they're twins and also two of the robots one of the uh two uh transitioned recently uh from male to female well recently uh, two years ago at this point anyway um they also transitioned the uh the one of the robot characters the one that they used um and there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, the third robot has changed a few times over the years, um, just because of scheduling or whatnot, for whoever happened to be playing the third robot at the time. And when I say the third ro- robot has changed, they've actually changed like the character entirely to whatever the new character is that they bring on. And oh. uh, yeah, more likely for people to have perhaps heard about them, they did all of the soundtrack stuff for SteamWorld Heist, or at least all the music. They're also in the game. The characters are, anyway. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. They tour semi-frequently. They go to a lot of nerd stuff. Uh, I think last week, two weeks ago, they just got back from Dragon Con, whenever Dragon Con was. Um, they have, like, outfits they wear, but they also have a lot of uh, face paint and stuff to, like, create the characters. And the designs evolve over time for the characters in interesting ways. And you can see it as you look throughout their filmography or discography. They record a lot of their, a lot of their shows so that people can actually see what they're doing, which is nice. They had their 10 year anniversary show a few years ago, which had all of the other members uh, that had left in to some degree. Um, I haven't watched it yet myself, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I own all of their discography at this point. I went I went from absolutely nothing to, over the course of a month, just owning everything. So um, I'm obviously very much bought in. Uh, a lot of happy songs, a lot of sad songs. Uh, they've got an entire space opera. Uh, that's their fourth album. Um, I, yeah, I, I suggest you check them out. Um, if you want to see if you'll like them and just get into one of the best songs, uh, Steam Power Giraffe, Honey Bee. Very beautiful. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, they're playing right. a show in like less than a couple weeks. At yeah. The end of the month, their Leap Day concert, Escondido, California. <laughs> of course First of all, I just, I've always wanted to say the word Escondido, uh, because it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's a good the word. California Center for the Arts, Escondido. Yep. It's also on North Escondido Boulevard, Escondido, <laughs> California. You can say it a lot. It's like, yeah. Seriously, but if there was a family in L5R, the Escondido family, I would play nothing. Yeah. So I could say, like, Escondido, you bowl. Yo, bo Escondido <laughs> says, stop in the name of the crane. You know? <laughs> it's just the way it works. Yeah, uh, that's a good that's why that's we, good one. we need more of that stuff in general. Yeah. And I have to admit, um, I like a lot of stuff. Use the full Arches Medium. So if you get this, you go check it out. Uh, their site is 
Steve Powered Giraffe, or for those who don't spell well, giraffe.com. <laughs> uh, all one word, all lowercase. Yeah. You'll know you're there. It's really easy to me. find. Google will fix it for it. you if you yeah. do it wrong. You'll, you'll also, you know, you'll see a good ad to buy a t-shirt, which yes. I appreciate because they're telling you you can wear the band on a shirt, buy a shirt, the band's name on it, which I think is the perfect way to bring most nerds up to speed. Yeah, like you, exactly. You have a band on a shirt. I could, yeah. You buy yes. a shirt. I, I like shirts. I yes. wear those frequently. I like bands. Too. Me That's too. Yeah. So I'm going to let you everyone go because, you know, eventually I got to get this because, you know. Exactly. Uh, so thank you, Blake, for helping me out with this. No Once worries, Murph. the beginning, folks, folks, strike at gmail.com, folks, folks, strike on Facebook, FFS podcast on Twitter. Uh, Brian Murphy, you can reach out to me directly. Always do some other things. Also, a special shout out to Adam who's probably listening to this now that he's made it all the way to Australia. And I have to admit, he's a braver man than I. He's the only person I know going to Australia as they went from <laughs> everything is on fire to everything is flooded. I and mean, that sounds like that, Manitoba that's a lot to of me. Happy I, media. I mean, there's a reason that that island is cut off from everyone else is because of everything <laughs> that's poisonous and deadly lives there. And then the weather just said, oh, really? I can hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. I can make this worse. Yes, I can, I can totally make it so that you're either on fire or or wishing you were on fire. Or yeah, it, it's it's not as pleasant. He went there because he's helping his girlfriend take care of her mom. Ah, uh, so good him for him. Full respect for that. Maybe he'll eventually pick up some L five R. So I see a guy named Adam who looks like walking around, kicking his sh- shoes down the street, carrying mm-hmm. a bunch of L five R cars, but not knowing where to go. That's him. So. Otherwise, uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you very much for listening. We always like everyone. Please reach out. I'm always happy to answer your questions, and I hope you all have a great week. Bye, everybody. And remember, Canadians are polite without being friendly. Australians are friendly without being polite.